Well, hey, everybody, welcome to Real Church for Real People. Happy Sunday. So glad you joined us, all of you in the room, and then all of you joining us online. We're glad you're along for the ride. As you heard, we are in the final weekend of this series that we've called Settled, and it's the beginning of Love Week. In fact, already started uh, over the past 24 hours. We've already started serving together, making a difference. We're going to be doing that together all week long. And of course, we do that as a church all year long. Uh, but this is one week out of the year when we all get an opportunity to do it together. So I'm very excited about what's going to happen during Love Week. And as we wrap up the series, Settled, that we've been in, we've been talking about how to stand on solid ground, how to fi find a firm foundation for our lives when everything around us, the world around us, sometimes our own personal world, seems like it's always shifting, always kind of shaky and uncertain. And as we get into the final message of the series, I wonder how many of us, just by a show of hands, have ever had people problems. Anybody ever had any people problems? Any issues like with a family member, neighbor, coworker, barista, senior vice president, teller, professor? Anybody had any people problems? Uh, how many of us have decided that some people are just problem people? <laughs> They're just problem people. And then last question: How many of us have ever had an aha moment in any given relationship? interaction. Oh, I am currently the person causing the problem. How many of us? It takes a little more courage to admit that one, but I can relate to all three. I've had people problems in my life. I know some people that I kind of have started to think at times might just be problem people, and then I have caused some problems for some people. If you stick around here long enough, I love to tell the stories of how I've caused problems uh, for people. And over the past few weeks during this series, we have covered a lot. I encourage you, uh, maybe if you're, if you're new to the journey or you missed some of the messages, if you've been traveling or away this summer, go back and watch uh, the first three installments of the series Settle because it has really been a foundational series for a lot of us. And I spent a lot of time kind of backstory praying and preparing, our team did, getting ready uh, for this series. And we talked mainly about our faith in God our experience with God, our relationship with God, which for some of us might have been new. Maybe for you, you're, you're new to this and you're, you're taking steps, growing spiritually. Maybe this summer, God's reviving something in you. You've, you've slipped into some complacency or just kind of dried up a little bit spiritually and God's bringing some new life into you. And I hope this series has been encouraging, challenging, strengthening to your faith because we've talked about the world that exists between us and God, our experience with God. But how many of us know that this life isn't just about us and God? There are other people on the planet <laughs> that we have to interact with with some degree of frequency. How many know what I'm talking about? So the question as we wrap up the series is, how do settled people treat other people. And we talk a lot about that here. We have a number of series we've done on relationships, but I want to talk specifically this weekend about how we treat people who have problems, including very serious problems. And to answer that question, I want us to look together at something that happens in the life of Jesus. John writes about this guy named John in the New Testament of the Bible. John was one of the closest followers of Jesus, and he writes this, that Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Jerusalem was a very important city to the Jewish people, had a lot of religious significance. Jesus was Jewish. His first disciples were Jewish. And they returned to the city for these 
uh, these very important traditional days, these holy days. And inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the Pool of Bethesda with five covered porches, one of the most uh, famous places at the time in this area of the world, very, very beautiful place. And crowds of sick people, John writes, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. Our family uh, visited Vancouver, Canada a few months ago, and I don't know how many of us uh, have ever been. I was actually born near Vancouver. It's a beautiful city. Had the opportunity to take my family. Hadn't been back uh, since I was a kid, so had the opportunity to go back, and, and beautiful city. We stayed in a very nice uh, building in downtown Vancouver. We had rented an Airbnb. Uh, some of you know about how much I love Airbnb. It's just my, it's my world now. Whenever we travel, I got to stay in an Airbnb, and how many Airbnb fans do we have? And it's just, you know, I'm not, I'm not vouching for them, but I do love me some Airbnb, you know? And uh, we had, we got this little Airbnb in this building in downtown Vancouver, very nice, but just a couple of blocks from where we were staying, everything changed. The streets and sidewalks were full of people with, with no place to live, ravaged by poverty, addiction, mental illness, I'm not talking about a few people here and there. Hundreds and hundreds of people. And as we drove by, I felt heartbroken. I've been in a lot of big cities. You probably have as well. I've been in places where I've seen pockets of people struggling with what I just described. And in my own city, uh, I see people struggling with what I just described. But this was different. It was hundreds of people in just a couple of city blocks. And as we talked to people who live in Vancouver, they said things like, yeah, it's just so strange, like an invisible line. You just and a lot of people stay away from there. It's not safe. And we've got this beautiful city. Some people say one of the most beautiful cities in the world, but all this pain and brokenness in this area in our city. And I imagine that must be what Jesus feels when he shows up at this pool, this beautiful pool, and there aren't a few sick people, but crowds. And these people have problems, blind, lame paralyzed. We get the impression for many of them nowhere else to go. Many of them have probably been living on the steps under those porches around this pool. And in a world where access to medical care was extremely limited, they had no other hope. So why are they there? Well, there's this belief at the time that a few moments every year, an unseen force would trouble the waters or stir up the waters of this pool. And the first person to get in the pool would be healed. We don't know a lot about it. We don't know where this idea came from or how much truth there was to it, but people believed that this happened. So crowds of people are around this pool of Bethesda waiting for a moment when the water will be stirred up because they desperately desire something to change in their lives. And this is how Jesus responds. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him, and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Now that is either the most ridiculous question ever or the most respectful. Because Jesus does not assume this is a, a relational interaction, not a transactional interaction. And Jesus really wants to know, what is it that you desire? I can see that your life is full of problems, but I'm really just looking at you and I want to know what it is you want. You know, we've been talking about how to settle it during this series, how to settle our faith in what Jesus has done for us. All of us are either living in the truth that Jesus paid for the forgiveness of our sins through his death on the cross and rising again, 
or we are trying to pay for our own sins or pretend that we haven't committed any. And we've talked about settling our faith in what Jesus did for us, how his death and resurrection makes us right with God. We've talked about settling our trust in God to take care of us, no matter what our heart says, no matter what our circumstances look like, settling it. My trust is in God. He will provide for me. We talked last weekend about settling our willingness to allow Jesus to truly be king of our lives, to be leader and Lord, and to submit, to surrender our lives to his leadership and not just follow our own desires and preferences. We talked about all of that. But ironically enough, the more settled we become with God, the more unsettled Jesus invites us to become with the needs of people around us. And Jesus shows us that unsettled people, people who don't have a firm foundation, they see problems first, but settled people see people first. It's just a different perspective. It's a different way of looking at our world and the people in our world, the people around us and the people who are going through difficult things, the people who are causing their own difficult things. It's a different way of seeing people. Jesus sees this man and he doesn't see his problem first. He sees the person first. He looks at him. He, he learns that he's been ill for a long time. Jesus gets to know him. He asks. He doesn't assume that he just is going to bring the solution to what this man needs, but he asks, would you like to get well? You know, it's so easy to see people's problems and stop there, but settled people, people who know who Jesus is, people who have put their trust in God no matter what the world around them looks like, people who are willing to follow Jesus and pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, people who have settled it don't stop when they see problems because they don't actually start there. Settled people don't see problems first, they see people first. And they look at a world full of problems and they are able to see a lot of people who happen to have problems, not a lot of problems walking around in the bodies of people. It's a different way of looking at the world. So who is it in our lives that we have stopped seeing as a person and we now only see as a problem to be solved? We no longer see them as a person to be seen and, and known and loved and served, but we see them as a problem to be solved. This challenges me because I so many times in my life can cross over that line into seeing people as problems to be solved. Did you know that a lot of people who don't go to church say that the reason is not because they aren't open to Jesus and faith, but because they have been turned off by Christians and church? And could it be that the reason is because many people who claim to follow Jesus sometimes focus more on the problems people have than they do on the people who have problems? Say, isn't it the same thing? No, it absolutely isn't. The order matters. It matters. How we see the world around us, how we see the people in the world around us, it matters. So many times we get things wrong, but I'm so grateful that many times we get things right. Followers of Jesus get this right a lot of times. Faith in God and people who embrace faith in God have been the biggest drivers of righting the significant wrongs in our world, in our modern history. There are so many things that we take for granted. We just assume, well, it's always been this way, or of course, I mean, why would we do anything else? But the reality is they all, these are things that all originated because of people's faith in God. Modern medical care came from people who believed in God, and when they saw suffering, did not see suffering that happened to be 
living among people, but people who were living with suffering. Equal rights. I'm just telling you, atheists did not come up with that idea. People who saw the divine spark in another human being who'd been oppressed and enslaved came up with the idea, this is not right because the same God who created me created this person and they deserve freedom and justice. That came from people who believed in God. People who believe in God came up with the idea of feeding people who are hungry and do not have access to food. People who believe in God came up with the idea of providing shelter to people who do not have a home. People whose faith is a big part of their life. Research shows over and over again that people who believe in God are many times over more likely to be consistently generous financially to help people in need outside of their own family than people who do not believe in God. Why? Because when we start to take Jesus seriously, we start to see people the way Jesus sees people, as more than just problems to be ignored or posted about when it's popular, but then forgotten when everybody has moved on to the new issue of the day. When we get the heart of Jesus, we start seeing a world full of people, not just a world full of problems. And that's what empowers us. To serve, and we don't need to go to Vancouver or LA or New York City or Seattle to find people with problems. We don't need to go to the Ukraine or some of the poorest parts of the world. Although, as a church, you may not know this, but we are going. We're all over the world through your generosity making a difference. But we don't have to go all over the world to find people with problems, they are all around us, which many times can lead to us feeling overwhelmed. How many of us have ever felt overwhelmed by the problems of the world around us? And if you didn't lift your hand, I'm going to assume you have solved a bunch of them already this week, <laughs> single-handedly. I feel overwhelmed many times. Like, God, there's so many problems. How am I? And then let me throw this out there. Not only that, but I, you probably can't relate to this, I also have some problems. So how is a person who has their own problems going to do anything in a world full of problems to make a difference? How does that even work? Which is why I love what Jesus does. He walks into a crowd and he chooses one person to serve. I love that. He could have played the God card. He could have just healed everybody without having to get down into the details. He could have, in his humanity, felt overwhelmed by all the problems. But no, Jesus walks into a crowd and he finds one person to serve, and I encourage every one of you, to, every one of us, to do that together during Love Week. Find one person. If you've been a part of our church for a while, I'm, I'm asking you to serve during Love Week and make a difference outside our walls. If you're brand new to this, come along with us. And when it feels overwhelming, find one person. Just choose one person. If you're painting a school, think of one student who maybe just walking through a freshly painted hall can believe that they should stay in school. <laughs> when you're serving meals, think of one hungry person. If you're right there with them, just don't get overwhelmed by a crowd full of problems. Choose one person to serve. You know, a lot of us allow the reality that we can't do everything for everyone to keep us from doing anything for anyone, but Jesus shows us that we can all do something for someone. We choose one person and serve. And that's what Jesus does. He, he sees this man. He gets to know him. He learns about him. He asks him, do you want to be well? But I can't, sir, the sick man said. 
For I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone always gets there ahead of me. There are so many people in our world right now, and maybe you're one of them. You feel this way. I can't. Someone always gets there ahead of me. Someone more qualified always gets the opportunity. Someone who doesn't have the mental health problems I have always gets there ahead of me. Someone whose skin is a different color than mine or who speaks a different language than I speak always gets there ahead of me. Someone whose kid doesn't have a disability always gets there ahead of me. Someone who has more money or whose parents are still together or who doesn't battle addiction the way that I do always gets there ahead of me. When you're in I can't mode, your life sometimes can begin to feel like just one long list of problems. But that is not how Jesus sees you. You are not a problem person to Jesus. You are a person who happens to have problems. He sees the person first. Some of you need to hear that today. You are not the sum of your circumstances. You are loved by God. And when he looks at you, he does not just see your resume or your regrets. He does not just see your socioeconomic status. He does not just see your qualifications in this world. He sees a person he loves. And as followers of Jesus, that's what we're called to reflect, which is why during Love Week, we're going to pack meals and send them to families in need all over the world. We're going to deliver blankets right here in our region to kids who are seriously ill or going through trauma in their lives. We're going to serve meals to people in recovery centers and with a kind word and a smile, remind them that they are not alone and they are not forgotten. We're going to fill hope totes with food and distribute those to people in need in our cities. We're going to clean up community centers and schools. We're going to host a movie night for families in transitional housing and, and help them pay for laundry services and help them reclaim dig dignity at a difficult moment in their lives. We're going to serve kids, students, as they head back to school this fall and let them know that someone loves them and express generosity toward them. We're going to do it all, no strings attached. We're going to tend a garden in Wilmington that provides fresh, healthy food to people experiencing food scarcity. We're going to serve people who have problems, and we are not just going to look around and go, oh, look at all the problems. We're going to look around and go, oh, look at all the people. Let me find one and serve them well. Serve them well like Jesus, and then we're going to act, which is what Jesus does. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Now, here's what I know. Some of us today may not even be sure that's possible. We don't know that we buy it. Maybe you're skeptical, you're new to all this, you're like, I don't know, 38 years, Jesus healed him, I don't know. And I get that. And I'm going to talk more about that in just a moment. But if that's you, suspend your disbelief just for one moment. Because if this did happen, the way that John says it happened, and the way that hundreds of millions of people all over the planet believe it happened, I'm one of them. If it happens the way John says it happens, this is a true record of the life of Jesus, then it reveals something about Jesus, that he has both the desire and the power to heal us. He has healing power. He wants to transform our lives. And then he wants to not only heal us, but give us the power to walk toward what he has for us. That's what he says to this man, stand up, you're healed, but now I want you to take steps in life. I don't want you to be stuck any longer. But I get it. Let's talk about the healing thing, the elephant in the room, the miracles thing. Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe 
Do you believe that God can do seemingly unexplainable things that the power of Jesus is real? Okay, so, so some of us do. Some of us will say, oh, dude, seriously. I know he's real. I've experienced it. Others of us, if we were honest, would say, I don't know. I just am not convinced. And then still others of us, I think there's a third category, would say, honestly, I believe Jesus did heal that person. I, I believe that. I believe technically Jesus can. We just get really hesitant when someone says that Jesus has, like recently. And I get it. We don't want to you know, buy into hype. We don't want to believe something that's not true. I find myself here sometimes where it's like, I, I, Jesus, I know you can. I know you did, and I know you can, but I'm just, you know, will you? Are you still doing that kind of stuff today? So if you do believe that the power of Jesus is able to do seemingly unexplainable things, you're good. Uh, carry on. Smile and nod for the next few minutes, okay? <laughs> if you don't believe that, my prayer for you is that you will catch a glimpse of a God who can do more than you can ask or think or imagine. That's my prayer for you. But for all of us in that third category, it's like, I believe, got some unbelief. For all of us who would find ourselves there, I would imagine part of the reason for us is because at some point in our lives, we or someone we cared about asked God for a healing. We asked God for a miracle, maybe a really important one, and we believed God and he didn't do it. Or he didn't do it the way that we asked him to do it. So maybe we decided that it's just less disappointing to adjust our faith to line up with our experience rather than adjusting our experience to line up with our faith. And again, I get it if that's you. So, so far this year, I know that God has done a lot in our community of faith, but there have been three confirmed physical healings in the life of our church, at least three. These are three that I've vetted. Like, I know it's true. I did the background work. And uh, physical healings. One person was healed immediately uh, from pain from shingles. She was in terrible pain. There was a prayer team prayed for her. Pain went away instantly. I talked to her about it, her experience. She was healed. Another person had a tumor uh, in his stomach and was prayed for by the prayer team, went back for the follow-up. The tumor was gone. Another person in our church, this, was, this did not happen here uh, but it's a person in our church, some family members who believed in Jesus gathered around him after he lost his ability to speak after a medical event, had not been able to speak for several months, prayed for him, and that night his speech was restored by the grace of God. And for all of you who are just a little like me, just, okay, are you sure? Here's the funny thing. God did not run any of that by me before he did it. <laughs> I know, right? He didn't reach out. He wasn't like Mark. In a couple of months, I was thinking about healing somebody, but I know you don't want to be that church, and I just want to make sure it doesn't mess with your theology. I'm just telling you that conversation never happened. God was not like, I need to run this by you first to make sure you're good with it. <laughs> he just honored the prayers of people who believed him, and he healed. And God did the work, but he did it through the prayers of people who trusted him, 
who had settled it that God was able. And so compassion and faith flowed through them because unsettled people see problems first and they just assume the problem is bigger than anything else. But settled people see people first and they know that God loves people. And so they lift those people who have needs up to God with passionate, faith-filled prayer. And they believe together. And by the way, at at all of our physical locations, every weekend, you have an opportunity. Members of our prayer team come to the front. They're always available uh, to pray with you. And God works. But I know for some of us, again, we're going, yeah, but why why those people? Why did God heal those people? And then there are other people God didn't heal. Why doesn't God heal me? Why doesn't God heal somebody I know and care about who's been praying for a long time? And I want to give you the answer today. So if you're taking notes, jot this down. Here's the answer. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. And frankly, I'm a little skeptical of anyone who claims they do know. Why does God heal sometimes and not others? Say yes sometimes and no others or not yet others. I don't know. I'm not God. One thing I know, our God's a deliverer. That's all I know. I just know Jesus has healing power. Why does it sometimes and not others? That's up to God. But I know Jesus has healing power. And I would recommend that you don't count Jesus out. Because whether it's relational healing, physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, he has healing power. And if you're going, yeah, but I've been praying for a long time. This guy, John, writes about waits 38 years. Don't assume that a delay is the same as a denial. Because God is able to do seemingly unexplainable things. And what if he wants to this week during Love Week? What if God wants to work through our simple acts of service and through the presence of his people in the midst of people who have problems? What if the healing power of Jesus could work in people's lives? What if we didn't just serve people this week, Journey, but we served praying under our breath in our spirit that the healing power of Jesus would show up in that person's life? You say, but what if I do? What if I believe and God doesn't do it? That's a bummer. What if you don't believe and God was going to do it? Bigger bummer. Just decide. Choose your pain. And all of us, myself included, are having to live on one side of that corner or the other. But what if he doesn't? But what if he does? Okay, so if that's all that happens, Jesus heals this guy after 38 years. It's so inspiring. Can we all agree? So inspiring. If that's it, have a great week. Enjoy the journey. Glad you came. But as is often the case, there is a plot twist. This miracle happened on the Sabbath, which was a holy day. So the Jewish leaders objected. They're like, this can't be. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. I want you to track with this. This guy has been healed after 38 years of being unable to move and get around. Jesus has healed him supernaturally, and the leaders tell him, put down your mat, man. This is a holy day. These are some unsettled people, am I right? This guy just got healed. This would be like if you didn't have a car, and you needed a car to get around, and you've been praying for a car for 38 years, and one day, God answered your prayer and put a Mercedes right down in front of you, but I was standing nearby, and I was like, oh, but the tags are expired. 
Or you, no, 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 you didn't have your blinker on when you pulled out of the driveway toward your destiny. Get back here. It's not really, it's not really a miracle. Guys, focus on what Jesus did. How could anyone be so foolish as to focus on this problem with the law when here's a person who's been healed? How is that even possible? Here's how. Unsettled people see problems first. They look at a world and go, oh, a lot of problems. That's a problem. That's another problem. Somebody should do something about that problem. That's how unsettled people live. But settled people see people first. And they're ready to respond. So the question is, which do you see first? People who happen to have problems? Or problems walking around like people? When God looks at a broken, messed up world full of problems, he doesn't see the problems first. He sees the people first. Now, he does not sweep the problems under the rug. We talked about that last weekend. God knows that part of love is speaking the truth into our brokenness. But he sees people first. And he offers to heal people. So what do we see? I think so many Christians are looking at a broken world, and it is broken, and wondering, when is the world going to get their act together? Jesus is looking at a broken world and wondering, when are people who say they love me and our followers of mine going to get their act together and love and serve the world the way I came to love and serve the world. So the leaders tell this guy, stop it. You, you can't carry your mat around on the Sabbath. But he replied, I love this. Well, the man who healed me said I could. He's playing the Jesus card. <laughs> so, uh, Oh, oh, this Matt? Can't carry Jesus? No. The guy who healed me after 38 years said I could carry my mat. What's up now? And look at their response. Who said such a thing as that? Don't you think they would be asking, what? You were healed? Who healed you? That's awesome. Instead, they're like, oh, we don't care that you were healed. We want to know, like, there's a problem. Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. And watch this. The man didn't know. For Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. Here's the last clue about how settled people treat people with problems. We see people first. We see people first. And you need to know that God sees you first. He does, some of you need to hear this. He does not look at you and see a problem person. He looks at you and sees a person he loves who happens to have problems. So that's how we live our lives when we're settled. We, we see people first. We learn about them. We get to know them. And we ask, how can I help? And then we serve, believing by faith that God's working through us, that when we help someone, when we serve someone, it's not just us. God's working through us. And then we disappear into the crowd. Some people believe that we shouldn't be seen when we serve, but that's not quite right. Jesus said it this way. He said, you are the light of the world. You're like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. So let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. In other words, we should tell the stories. We should celebrate the moments. We should shine out for all to see. 
During Love Week, we're going to strap a bright red t-shirt on you. It says, serve. What are you here to do? Serve. It's going to be obvious. Unashamedly, we're going to, an army of red t-shirts flooding out into our communities, just selflessly giving our lives away to serve. It's going to be seen. We're not going to be able to hide it. But you know what we're going to do next? Disappear into the crowd. Because the point of our serving isn't anyone praising us. It's that everyone might see and praise our Heavenly Father, the God who sent us and is shining through us. You can be just as proud and arrogant serving in an unseen way as you can in a seen way. Seen or unseen is not what makes the difference. The willingness to disappear into the crowd makes the difference. Not, I'm here to serve, but it's not about me. There's a God who sent me and is shining through me. And he's the point, which is why when the religious leaders track Jesus down a little while later and insist that he explain himself, he simply says this, my father is always working and so am I. Settled. I settled it. I don't just serve when it's popular. I don't just serve when it's seen. I don't just serve when it's unseen. I don't just serve when it makes me feel good. I don't just serve when I don't have any problems of my own. I don't just serve when it's convenient. I don't just serve when my calendar is not already full. I am just like my Father in heaven. He's always working. So am I. He said, it sounds exhausting. Not when you are willing to disappear into the crowd. It's only exhausting when you need the credit. It's not exhausting when you're like, I just let God flow my simple act. Get out of the way. Let him take center stage. Because it's all about him. And for Jesus, serving people wasn't an afterthought. It was an always thought. And here's why. Because settled people see people first. And their response is radical love. And Love Week is your chance to do that, to show up in the middle of people's problems and not see problem people, but see people who happen to have problems. And to make a difference, I don't know what to do about Vancouver. I don't know what to do about LA or New York City or Seattle or Ukraine, and we're doing everything we can, but I tangibly this week. I, I can't tell you what you could do this week to change those realities. That's not really the question, is it? The question is, what are you going to do this week in Newark? What are you going to do this week in Hokesson? What are you going to do this week in Middletown? Before we ever launch a location there and invite people to come and see, what if we went and saw people first? What are you going to do in Wilmington this week, Newcastle and Elkton? What are you going to do for one person that you wish you could do for everyone? That's really the only question. And then disappear into the crowd because you don't need the credit. You just live for the privilege of participating in what Jesus is doing to bring healing to a hurting world. Next week, we're going to start a new series. It's going to strengthen you, encourage you as we head toward fall, back to school, and for a lot of us, back to some of our routines. But for today, listen, 
I'm going to ask you just to do one thing if you haven't yet. If you're a part of this community of faith or you want to come along with us this week, I'm going to ask you just to do one thing, and that is sign up for a Love Week serving opportunity. And this week, show up and shine out for all to see, and then let's disappear into the crowd so Jesus gets bigger and we get smaller. And if you would say, I'm in, I want to live that way. I want to see people first. I don't want to wait till all my problems are solved before I make a difference with someone else's. I wonder, would you just shoot your hand up all over the room? If you're online, you can participate in this. Hold that hand up high. Let me pray it over us. God, thank you for the opportunity this week. We have it all year long, but thank you that we're highlighting it. We have an opportunity this week to go outside the walls of our church buildings and to go where you are and to serve people in need. God, I pray it over us. Jesus, our example, would you help us this week not to see problems first, but to see people first. And then out of compassion and faith, serve to lessen the weight of the problems those people are facing. Let us be the hands and feet of Jesus in Journey City this week, I pray, during Love Week. In Jesus' name. And while you let God just seal the deal in your heart, listen, maybe you're in the room or you're watching online, and for you, up until now, faith and God have felt to you the way this guy John writes about felt, I can't. I would love to have a relationship with God, but I can't. Someone always gets there ahead of me. Someone more religious is more deserving, better qualified, doesn't have the past that I have. Listen to me very closely. When God looks at you, he does not see a list of problems. He sees a person he loved and gave his son to die for so that you could have life with God. He sees you, he knows you, and he is asking today, would you like to get well on the inside? He wants to heal your inner world, and that is a miracle God does for everyone who sincerely believes in Jesus and asks. It can happen for you today. So I'm going to lead us in prayer again. It's your opportunity, if that's you, to take that step. I want everyone to join me just to open your heart up big to God. And if that's you today, right where you are, whisper out a prayer of faith. If you're putting your faith in Jesus, something like this. Use my words if it helps you. Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. I believe you died for the forgiveness of my sins. I believe you see me and you know what I need. And you've come to heal my soul today. I put my faith in you. From this moment on, I'm going to follow you. And if that's you, everyone around you stays focused on God. If you would say, I want to be included in that prayer. I'm putting my faith in Jesus today. Would you lift your hand? Just hold it up high, boldly, all over the room. Yeah, it's amazing. Yes, yes. Incredible, yeah. Online, you can type the word faith in the comments, whatever platform you're on. And then, Journey, would you help me? Come on, let's give Jesus all the praise together. Would you do that with me?